Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fatherhood. For some people, that brings up all kinds of warm, fuzzy feelings. For other people, it's like, oh no, didn't have a good experience. And then the question is, whatever experience you had, what kind of a father do you become? Do you just become it by default, or do you choose what kind of father to be? Today, I'm talking with Alec Lace. He is a podcaster. His podcast is called First Class Fatherhood, and we're going to have a great discussion. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining me on Save Your Sanity Podcast, Help for Toxic Relationships. We're doing something special to talk about fatherhood today in honor of Father's Day 2020. Kind of strange Father's Day because the world is in a different state than it is on any other Father's Day we've experienced in 100 years. And um, we're going to be talking with my guest. He's right here, Alec Lace. And he is the creator of the podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Welcome to the show, Alec. Dr. Roberta, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here with you today. Well, it's a pleasure. For those of you who don't know, I am the Kids and Family Category Director for Podcast Magazine. So full disclosure, I've had an opportunity to feature Alec in the magazine for our Father's Day edition. So be sure to go to podcastmagazine.com and get your subscription so you can read that. But today is a special day because we don't often talk directly about fatherhood. And Alec is really dedicated to changing the narrative about Father's Day and fatherhood. And of course, fatherhood every day, but Father's Day in our particular edition. And if you're new to Save Your Sanity podcast, so glad that you found us for this special edition. And if you're returning, I'm so glad you found value to do that. Remember, you can always go to patreon.com slash save your sanity if you'd like to support this podcast with a dollar or five dollars a month. So, Alec, why? first-class fatherhood? Well, there's a lot that led into it. Uh, first of all, when I started the podcast itself, I didn't really even know what a podcast was, but I always had this message um, uh, about fatherhood that I wanted to put out there just because one of the part-time jobs that I have is driving Uber, and I hear from a lot of the young men, they have this negative mindset that are single men that have this negative mindset towards uh, what being a father and starting a family is all about. Like when I would tell them I have four kids, they would look at me like I had four heads and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Four kids. Like it was unheard of to them. And I was like, you know, trying to uh, talk to them in a way to let them know, Hey, fatherhood is something that's going to really change your life for the better. And it seemed like they had this, um, unfortunate 
notion that fatherhood is something that they want to put off until much later in their life or at all, uh, if anything. So uh, the basis of the show is to show uh, highlight uh, the importance of fatherhood and how much it makes you a better person and how it can really enrich your life and really give you a true full meaning of what life is all about. So that's really the premise of the show. Great. So for people who are interested, go to firstclassfatherhood.com or go to wherever you like to get your podcasts and look up First Class Fatherhood. So we're going to dive in in the non-podcasting side of this. Those young people who were in your Uber, Alec, did you ask them whether or not they'd grown up with a full-time father or an absent father or what created that? Um, sometimes we'll, we'll get into those discussions and a lot of times it can come from, I'll be honest with you, Roberta, a lot of, if we look, you, you mentioned the, in the beginning of the show here that we're in kind of a unique time in our country and around the world. And I think if you look at some of the chaos that we're seeing, a lot of it uh, is coming from this uh, entire break, broken down family unit in our country. I mean, we see a lot of kids that are growing up without a father or a father figure in their home, specifically in the African-American community, where it's 73% of kids are growing up without no father. So um, I think it's one of the biggest problems that we have in our country. And I think it, it creates, uh, um, you know, the statistics will show it creates a higher percentage of kids that are using drugs, using alcohol, that are committing crimes, that are uh, having kids out of wedlock, teenage pregnancies, teenage suicide. So it plays a big role. And I think also um, where we're seeing a lot of this is, is the way that the media has portrayed fatherhood. The role of the dad has kind of always been this type of um, – doofus kind of character we see this in movies we see this in commercials it's gotten a little bit better it seems but there's still a lot of work that has to be done to showcase the father as an important role to aspire to not something to avoid and make fun of and i think that's uh just from speaking to a lot of these guys where they're getting these impressions from we always see that the family guy is a guy that usually has his head down life's always kind of kicking him around he's never getting laid he's never having any fun and we glorify that single guy who sleeps with multiple women. He's got no responsibilities. And it's like, why would I not want to choose that lifestyle? So it's kind of glorified in a sense where um, fatherhood is really where it's at. And this really leads to you becoming uh, a man in life. And I think we're seeing a lot of people that have never gotten to that stage that are kind of wreaking havoc on society at the moment. Wow, that's quite a worldview. I don't know that I've ever thought about a doofus kind of character for a father that's being portrayed globally. I mean, there are so many cultures that honor the father. There's so many cultures that uh, depend on the father. And so therefore, of course, when the father is absent, there is a big shift in what's what kind of parenting now i raised three kids and most of the time i did that by myself and so uh, although my my kid had a father um it wasn't present all the time and and um so i know what it's like to be in a home raising children where as a woman you have to be both roles if both roles are defined but that you are the only go-to person to arbitrate everything that happens in the home on a daily basis and working full-time because fathers sometimes abdicate their responsibilities financially and so they figure i don't have any control on a daily basis i'm not going to contribute to the finances what did you find about that yeah, I hear a lot of excuses from men who I've had, you know, either comment, uh, reach out to me through a specific segment on the podcast or what so have you. 
And a lot of excuses I'll hear of why they're not involved in their children's lives, which usually, it usually leads right back to a toxic relationship with the, with the child's mother. And, uh, and I understand that, hey, listen, there's, there's some issues in the court systems uh, that seem to favor the mother over the father. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's a, a, I don't ever, ever hear an excuse that's ever good enough for a dad to not be involved in their child's life. I think we, we come up with these things. And I understand and no, nobody's saying that you have to remain in, in a relationship with the woman, but you can never divorce the child. And, and I think um, that's something that has to, you know, maybe we could change something legally there in the legal system. I'm not too familiar on the specifics. I know state by state is different. Some states are pro-dad states. They're 50-50 states. Uh, it's getting better in the court system as well, but still overwhelmingly the uh, presence when you go into a divorce court, it's mom has the kids and we start from there. Yeah, that's changing, Alec. I deal with that on a daily basis. So I know something about that. But I know my listeners' ears perked up when you said that the father left a toxic mother. I want to be very clear that toxicity is not the same as difficult. And when you use the term a toxic mother, toxic means that that person had a completely different view of how to do life that they were very self-centered, they were very self-serving, they were only interested in themselves, which is very different from a person you couldn't get along with, <laughs> that you maybe had a different worldview. It doesn't necessarily mean they're toxic. There are lots of relationships that just don't work, that don't contain toxicity. So listeners, I just want to put that in there because I'm sure your ears perked up when Alex suggested that they're all toxic that they walked away from. No, and there were a lot of those dads who were behaving badly and wanted to go back to the life that you alluded to before. Why do I want to be tied down when I could be free? Why do I want to adhere to my commitment to be with one woman when I could be free? Um, so they, they try it and they don't like it. And then they blame the woman. Or they try it and they don't like it. And both people say, hey, let's not make each other miserable any longer. And then we have the small percentage of the population, an unfortunately growing percentage, where there actually is toxicity. And that is equally divided between toxic mums and toxic dads. So we want to be very, very careful in the way that we talk about that here on Save Your Sanity, because we, meet, we mean something very specific, and I think everybody understands that. So in this fatherless situation, what do you think is really missing? What's your view of what happens when there is no, abs when there is no present father, where there is an absent father? Well, I would say, for instance, like if you looked at the rioting and looting that was going on in the streets not too long ago, I would think that if um, I know for myself, if I was ever taking part in something like that, the last thing I would want to do is have my father catch me. I would rather it be the police that caught me than my dad. And I think that that's absent. And when that's absent, you don't have that fear. And especially like if I, I know that if I caught my kids out there, they, he, he would have to hope that the police caught him. And I think when you don't have that, that type of discipline or that's, I mean, I remember the old hey, wait till your father gets home type of deal. And that meant something. Uh, that, that meant something back in the day, uh, you know, when you were growing up with a father. It does still today. Um, so I think that's one thing that's very important that we're seeing that's missing. Like I said, in these communities, wherever you see these communities, uh, I know Baltimore a couple of summers ago was a hot spot. They were talking about uh, how, um, you know, terrible the neighborhood was and all this. And they noted all the high statistics of all this stuff. But there was also 
70% of the teenagers in Baltimore had no father living in the home as well. So wherever you see these communities that have these high rates of crime and, and violent crime and stuff like that, they all correlate with high percentages of fatherless households as well. Well, I would imagine too, though, that that correlates with poverty. And so very, very closely aligned. I want to talk about something that you, you just went by so quickly. Do you really think a child should fear their father? Um, there, there, there's a, uh, a level of respect and fear, it, 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 I think, is necessary in a sense. Uh, there has to be some type of, um, uh, you know, thought of repercussion of why I shouldn't do this. And so I think in the beginning, um, I, I don't necessarily uh, fear, but to know that the reason why I'm not doing this is, uh, is because I will get in trouble for it by my father. And I want to earn my father's respect. Uh, therefore, I won't do it. So I think respect, yeah. fear, that's always been the line, um, you know, that dividing line. You want to be respected or feared, right? We go back to the old Bronx tale in a sense. Well, I just wanted to ask your opinion because I, I don't want children fearing their fathers, but I definitely want them to respect their mothers and their fathers, that the father and mother are guides to life and the fathers and mothers who do it with respect for their children end up with much better situations than people who just want their kids to fear them. Right. And, and in a sense too, Roberta, I would say like fear my dad's going to take my car away. Fear my dad's going to take my yeah. friendships away. Fear that my dad's going to keep me home for the weekend. Fear that my dad's not going to, he's going to take my phone away. Fear in that type of sense is what I'm like basically referring to there, that there will yeah. be consequences for my actions. Great. That's just what I wanted to get out. <laughs> so we're not talking about physical fear that my dad's going to beat me up, that my dad is going to hit me with a belt, that my dad. No, I think we're long me... beyond that at this point yeah. too, uh, Roberta, in our society today. I mean, obviously, I mean, my father was born in 1930 and he grew up during a depression in a whole different era of parenting that I could ever even imagine. So it's like, um, and most people that I interview on my show, it's, it's interesting too. When I ask him this question, I'll always say, and these are you know, people that have had great success in life. And I always ask them like, Hey, uh, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? And is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? And almost I'd say eight or nine out of 10 say, well, I was, you know, uh, I, I was slapped when I was a kid. I was spanked when I was a kid. I was hit with a switch when I was a kid. I was hit with the belt when I was a kid, but I would never do that with my kids. So it's like, um, we, we've all s sort of evolved. And, uh, I, I think obviously for the good, uh, and the much better in that sense. Yeah, so such important distinctions, and that's why I asked you the question, Alec. I, I've talked to you before. I know what you meant, but I wanted to get it out because some people do have that stereotype that wait till your father gets home, and it's not that your father will just dis be displeased. It's that your father will deal with you, and they will deal with you severely, and that you should be afraid all day that your father is going to come home, and and that distinction that. I don't want to have loss because my father's going to say, I can't go somewhere, I'm grounded, or I can't use my devices or whatever, because he's already told me that if I do this, he will take the device away. Now, of course, we're talking about fathers, it's Father's Day, but mothers are equally in this equation too, that if we say something to our children, we say, this will be the consequence if you do it you better have some teeth in that consequence. It better be non-negotiable. What do you say about that? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There has to be some type of action, uh, you know, to the threat. And I think that it's important 
because I think what we're seeing right now, I mean, you could just see it in our culture. Like we have this um, every child gets a trophy uh, philosophy that's, that's just been a poison in our society. We have this every kid makes the team. Everybody uh, gets everything for doing nothing in a sense, and there's no work to, to reward type of structure set up, and I think that does a big disservice uh, to the kids that are out there. I think if we just watched the Michael Jordan uh, special that they had on it. Here's a guy that was cut from his high school basketball team, and it built such a fire in him that it really led him into what he was, what he became. And coming along today, there's no chance of getting cut from the team. Everybody makes the team. Everybody gets the trophy. Everybody gets the same award at the end. So you kind of don't have that um, need, uh, you know, to, to improve. We, you know, our kids aren't failing. And, and without failure, uh, there's really no growth. I mean, all, all, all great growth comes from failure, whether that's mentally, spiritually, or physically. Yeah, so again, let's make this very, very clear and careful here because what you're saying can be taken in one context and not the other. So I just want to clarify. Um, when children are included, when they have a chance, when they their self-esteem is honored, that's one thing. But to be told you can do something when you can't yet is another and I think that we don't want to throw out babies with bathwater here. I think it's a very important thing that we allow children to be honored for who they are and being told that they have value and worth. And also to be able to say, yeah, you've got some work to do there. That's not exactly up to par yet. And so we're giving them honest feedback with encouragement, not just simply, well, just because you breathe, you should get a trophy. No, we should have incentive. We should have understanding. We should have criteria. But we don't put the child down because they can't do something. We don't put the child down because they're not talented. We direct them in another way where they can succeed. And that's a very important distinction because otherwise we get into all or nothing thinking that, okay, you, these are good and these are bad. No, there's all kinds of places between those two, correct? Yeah, but I would just say, like, using the, uh, the, the team analogy and the trophy analogy would be that if you got cut from the team, that's not necessarily saying uh, things that are bad. That's just saying, hey, if you want to make this team, you need to work harder and you need to create value for us to take it. And that's what it is. Listen, we have to prepare our kids for the, for the cruelty of the real world here. We can't sugarcoat it too much because we do them a disservice by that. The, the real world uh, is going to be a big smack in the face to these kids if we don't prepare them. And if they don't learn how to deal with failures, they're going to have a boss that they don't agree with. They're going to meet adults in their life that they're not. And if they're so used to it being – well, they're supposed to cater to me and how I'm feeling. We're doing them a disservice. They got to learn to, you know, some, at some point um, be able to handle adversity, be able to handle failure, because those are really two key components uh, of growth, maturity, and, and being successful in life. And I think even in our marketplace, I mean, in the marketplace that they're going to hit to earn money, we need to create value. Uh, that's the truth. If you want to make more money, you've got to create more value. So I think we need to, uh, our kids need to be able to develop those skills at an early age and understand uh, you, you know, what it takes to be successful and, and at every level. Yeah. I mean, reality is a big deal. <laughs> you know, that, that everybody is going to face adversity. Everybody is going to not make the team, some team at some time in their life. And I'm just making the distinction between being able to communicate to a person, a child, a worker, whomever, that you as a person have value, 
however the team has standards and right now you you're not cutting it you're not up to it but work harder if this is what you really want so you know there's a lot of this all or nothing thinking in the world and it's growing meaning that you know either you're great or you're a loser but there's nowhere in between and we never want to do that to children there we want to focus on what it is that they can do and they do well we encourage them to do things that they want to do better and need to do better and then not not discredit them because they may not have a skill or they may not have the physique but to put them in a new a new direction where they can do something to be encouraging and to strengthen their sense of accomplishment. And so we want to be very careful of that. And of course, I'm coming from my background trained as a psychologist. So I know the what happens to children who are put down in the home on a repeated basis or neglected or uh, emotionally uh, abused and we don't want that we want to be very very clear that we can speak respectfully to our children and honestly and kindly at the same time yeah i would agree i, I would think there's a far vast difference uh, of abusing a child neglecting a child putting a child down and telling a kid you know at this point you can't make the team I, I, you need to do better i mean i think there's those are night and day uh conversations there and i just think like i say um, uh, it, it's, I, I want the children, especially my children, I want them to come from the philosophy of instead of doing the same job and demanding more money for that job, I would rather see them go to the higher skill level and get rewarded with the higher level of pay in a sense. So it's like, um, you know, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better in a sense, uh, as, uh, Jim Rohn would once say, you know, don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills, you know, improve yourself, make yourself more valuable to the team, to the marketplace, to the family. Uh, to the community, to the society, and make yourself more valuable. That, that, that's my philosophy on, on fatherhood and on life. Well said. And you know, what I hear you saying is let's not have entitlement. Let's not raise kids to think that they're entitled to be praised just because they tried something in the sense that we give them a false sense of what they're capable of doing. Yeah, you cripple them that way. Yeah, it, it's a very fine line, and, and we're inviting people to really think about that. And I'm inviting you for sure to think about that, because when you come from a toxic background, you have been exposed to all or nothing thinking. You're either the best kid ever, or you're not worth even paying attention to. And that creates a dichotomy in you that can go on and not serve you well in your life. So I'm talking with Alec Lace here. He is the podcaster who created the very successful podcast, First Class Fatherhood. You find it at firstclassfatherhood.com. And I encourage you to go over there. It's a great podcast. And you've spoken to so many people, famous people, people that are your friends and people that you interact with in life or maybe not and you reach out to so a broad broad number of fathers you've spoken to haven't you alec yeah i mean i've had everybody you know on the show from uh skateboarding legend tony hawk um you know i've interviewed tom brady down at the super bowl um i've had uh, david burka uh, uh, the gay dad married to uh, neil patrick harris i've had just recently uh, i had on the secretary of state mike pompeo um so i, I spread it around pretty uh, i get a pretty good grasp of um you know actors entertainers celebrities 
Uh, I've had 50, over 50 Navy SEALs. I've had four Medal of Honor recipients on the show. I mean, so I really spread it around quite a bit to grab a good picture um, uh, of fatherhood from all different uh, walks of life. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. That's a wonderful contribution. Yeah, and I really enjoy it, to be honest with you. So it's, 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 I think it's a discussion that's needed. I think that basically what it comes down to is all these people that have done all these amazing things, whether it be a Super Bowl MVP or a Hall of Famer or a SEAL Team 6 operator, uh, they've accomplished greatly in this life, but it comes down to the thing that's given them the most sense of accomplishment in life is being a dad. And that's what it basically comes down to. And you hear it, this testimony from these guys time and time again. Great. Yes, it is such a great contribution. So for the rest of our time together, I want to talk about two things. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but I'm hoping that you can answer these two questions. What are the things that a first-class father doesn't do? And secondly, because we want to leave with the positives, what are the things a first-class father does do? So what would you say are the most important things that a first-class father does not do? Well, I, I would start there, uh, Dr. Roberta, by saying, I mean, we, we definitely have this, uh, I hear the word uh, toxic masculinity thrown around uh, quite a bit. And uh, to me, I don't really understand what that means, to be honest with you. But I, what I would take it to mean is a anybody that has a child and abandons their responsibility as a father, to me, I wouldn't consider a man. I think that's a toxic masculinity. That's how I would see it. So I would think any, any father or claims to be dad that has a child and walks away from their relationship, that to me uh, is, is I wouldn't even consider it to be a man. Uh, so that, that's what I would say a first-class father wouldn't do would be abandon his family, you know, is, is, or is buried in his own ego, uh, which to me would mean uh, you know, edging God out. And allowing, we live in this culture right now, which I would call, I mean, I know it's a strong word, toxic, uh, but I mean, it's a bad culture of people that celebrate themselves. We see this on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Everybody is like um, glorifying themselves for every little thing that they do. And it, and it seems to be like a, a very, very, um, I don't know, uh, very strange kind of uh, um, way to look at life. But people that come more involved in themselves and, and don't uh, put their family first. I, I would consider that to be something that a uh, first-class father wouldn't do. Okay, let me ask a question about that because I'm sure it's on the listeners' minds. Um, there are some relationships that don't work and some relationships that shouldn't work. And you kind of alluded to their leave the relationship. But are you talking about leaving with the, the relationship with the child? Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, not marriage. A marriage is... I, I, that's totally different. I don't really, I didn't, I've never even asked the, um, the guests that I have on. It's not really a, a show about marriage. It's a show about father. I have many, many single dads on the show, divorced dads uh, on the podcast. So it's like, uh, when, when I do refer to that, I do, I'm talking about his relationship between the dad and his child uh, or children is what I'm referring to. Great. Well, I just wanted, I knew what you meant, but I just wanted to make that extremely clear because of course, some marriages don't work out. Some relationships don't work out. Some shouldn't. Uh, some it's best if, it, if they don't. You'll have a healthier situation for the child. However, I absolutely agree with you that you can divorce another person, but you cannot, should not. And obviously there is no possible way to divorce your child. So if you leave your child, if you abandon your child, if you have a 
laundry list of reasons why it's difficult or uh, it's geographically undesirable or there's always demands being made, whatever they are, I think your point is so well taken that simply don't abandon your child. Your child still needs a relationship with you. And yes, there are a little percentage of situations where the father is so toxic that it is better if they wander off, really is better that they wander off because their influence is just going to create pain and damage and wounding to the child or to provide a model of total dysfunction. And that's okay if they wander off, for sure. If you have a toxic father, they're not going to want to stick around anyway. One thing for sure, everybody knows I've said this before, that toxic parents have children for three reasons. And toxic in my definition, people who have the patterns, traits, and cycles of narcissism, sociopathy, psychopathy, um, sometimes borderline personality, definitely a passive aggressive. These people, um, they have children for three reasons. To have people who agree with them, serve them, and make them look good. And if you don't do any of those things, they're not going to be very interested in you. In fact, they may reject you. And those fathers, okay, you know, maybe we wish them well 3,000 miles away because they're a poor influence on the child. But the majority of fathers, hang in there. Your children need you. They have half your DNA. They want to know, how do I do life from your point of view? I want to be validated by you. I want you to tell me that you welcomed me with joy, that you wanted me to live, that you appreciate the fact that I draw breath and take up space. These are really important things. And when you just wander off and have a whole lot of excuses why you're too busy or too tired or too poor or whatever it is to not spend time, not buying it, right, Alec? Well, you know what? I, w- I wanted to jump in there too and say that, you know, the, uh, as we do say that, and obviously these toxic men, uh, you know, do a disservice by hanging around. There are also a lot of men, especially we're talking about Father's Day, who are stepdads to children that fill that role, that void yes. in their lives. Yes. And I definitely want to, you know, take my hat off. I've had several of them on the show as well, that they were stepdads before they became biological dads. And, uh, that, that is a big benefit. Uh, that There's that a special different place in my heart for men that do that, that step up to the plate and provide for children that are not biologically their own. And there are plenty of them uh, doing that, uh, you know, th- that I've spoken with uh, personally. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because it may be a stepdad. It may be an adoptive dad. It may be a foster dad. Somebody who is providing that positive male role that positive male influence in the life of a child. And that's what we're going for today. That's what Alec is talking about. That's what we're supporting is saying, be that guy. Be that guy that the kid looks up to. Be that guy the kid can count on to be positive and supportive and fair and present and all of that. So let's talk a little bit more about the opposite side of the equation from the one we just spoke of. What do you need to do to be a first-class father? Yeah, and, and there's no um, ABC to this. I think the basics of it is that, um, you know, it's, it's putting your child before yourself in a sense and, and realizing that your child is going to be 
watching you, looking up to you. So take that responsibility and be careful with it, I think. And it's uh, watch your actions and don't do things that you don't want your child to do. Like, it, yes. you know, don't, don't, be, don't be texting on the phone while you're driving if you don't want your child to be doing that when he eventually gets his license and stuff like this. Um, you know, the way that you treat your spouse or your partner or your wife is going to be crucial in how your children are going to treat women as they grow up. So I think uh, we have to be um, uh, conscious of our actions. They're, they're so much more powerful, as we know, than our words. So uh, what we do and being present with our children, I think that's the basic uh, uh, of what the father, a first class father would be is somebody that's present with his children when he's there, somebody that leads by example and, and shows him not tells him the type of man or young woman that, that they expect them to be. I think that's the, the key. I agree with you because children often fail to do what we tell them, but they seldom fail to do what we do. They're watching. They're watching from long before they have language. They're watching, they're listening, they're feeling, they're taking it in, they're being affected. So it's a big job being a parent, being a conscious parent, being a full-time parent. And I don't mean that you're in the home full-time. I mean that your head's in the game full-time. And you're, and, and you're, and you're not going to get it right all the time either. And that's no. the thing. You can't get so down on yourself because believe me, uh, I'm, you know, like I say, I have four kids myself. And this is an on-the-job training process here. And my whole goal is to try to be a little bit of a better dad today than I was yesterday. And just don't compare myself to any other father just to the father I was yesterday and just keep that, that sight in mind and try to just improve each day. I get it wrong. And one thing, you know, we talk about parenting of old and parenting of today. Like my father, I, I, I don't remember ever hearing him say, let alone maybe a few handful of I love you's. I know I've already destroyed him in that category where, where I tell my kids I love them all the time, but uh, more of I'm, I'm sorry. Like I never heard that from my dad. Like, and I, and I, I call myself out on my mistakes for my children, especially when I punish the wrong one for the wrong thing or I'm arguing a point that ends up I was wrong. Instead of um, trying to you know, play it off as if I, I was right and I won't give in, I eat the crow and I, hey, I'm sorry, got that one wrong, you know, and I admit my mistakes. And I think that transparency helps in the relationship with the father and son big time. Oh, it sure does. And the father and daughter, because you're, you're teaching your daughter. You're, I know that you finally got a daughter. <laughs> so you're teaching your daughter how, how to expect to be treated, how expect to expect to be spoken to, how expected to be respected and the father has to teach the children that whether the children are male or female so thank you so much alec for this great information and for your dedication to fatherhood yeah thank you dr burns a pleasure speaking with you today as always my guest today is alec lace he is a fabulous fellow. You've got to go and listen to him on firstclassfatherhood.com. You can tell he's passionate about what he's doing. And he has a great view to make fathers understand their great role and how they take responsibility. They then create more responsible children. Such an important thing. Thank you for joining me today on Save Your Sanity help for toxic relationships you want more information about where to find me you know you can find me at four for relationship help help.com you can find the podcast at save your sanity podcast.com or wherever you like to download your podcasts and catch me on youtube because it's fun over there too the channel is called four relationship help so until we speak again, I hope that you will be very, very good to yourself because you matter 
and show yourself that by validating yourself first. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.